0: For those of you who are uh, first time guests, that's just kind of funny to me that we sing these rocking songs and we have the beat and all that stuff. And then the intro to the sermon is, Hallelujah! Uh, That is not how we do things around here. So, got to endure that for a few more weeks. Now, we're in a, a study of the book of Acts, which is in the New Testament, the fifth book in the New Testament. And people have called the book of Acts the Acts of the Apostles. That's the, early, that's the first followers of Jesus, um, the Acts of the early church. But really, if you study what's going on behind everything, it's the Acts of, of God empowering ordinary people through the Holy Spirit. So ordinary people surrender their lives to an extraordinary God He gives them supernatural power through His Holy Spirit, and they do extraordinary things. So really, it's more accurate to call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to call it. This is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've been reading, you know that the Holy Spirit makes His first grand entrance in Acts chapter 2. And we're going to pick this up a little bit uh, later in chapter 2 at verse 33. Here's what it says. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he sits on the throne of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he has promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us. That's on your listening If you have your pen, circle it. That's a key to what we're looking at today. To pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. Now, the scene is that that the Holy Spirit makes this dramatic entrance at Acts chapter 2 and and does some, some really crazy, wild things and it draws everybody's attention. So everybody starts showing up uh, at the temple, and they see these these folks speaking in languages that they don 't understand uh, that they don 't know that the speakers don 't know the languages. see the, the scene is that there are Jews from every nation around the Mediterranean Sea that have come to Jerusalem for this holy day, a holiday that they were celebrating that, uh, that went along with the Jewish religion. And they begin speaking the, the truth about Jesus in languages that the speakers did not understand, but the hearers understood in their own languages. And so those people are going, wow, this God must be here. Something incredible is happening today. And so the religion police show up. Well, the religion police, they don't want anybody studying anything other than their religion. And they get jealous of this. And so they try to come up with an explanation. They say, oh, well, these men are drunk. So Paul, I mean, Peter, he is the leader of this church. Peter stands up and he goes, wait, 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 wait. You're saying that the explanation that these people are speaking languages that they've never heard or learned before and people who know those languages are understanding them. You're saying that the explanation is that we're drunk? That just makes no sense whatsoever. I've heard people say some really strange things when they're drunk, but I didn't understand them and nobody else understood them either. He said, we're all God-fearing Jews and we're here for a national holiday and the rules state, the national holiday rules of our religion state that you can't eat or drink anything before 10 uh, a.m. or noon, depending on which rabbi you followed. He said, and besides, it's nine. So no God-fearing Jew is going to be drunk at nine in the morning. He said, let me tell you what's really going on here. And he proceeds with this whole sermon. We get to the end of the sermon at verse 37. Peter's words pierced their hearts. Now, this is we're talking about the Holy Spirit today, and and what happens is Peter speaks about the truth, speaks the truth about Jesus, and the Holy Spirit takes those words and and pierces the hearts of the hearers. Look what they said. And they said to him and to the other apostles, "'Brothers, what should we do?' Peter replied, "'Each of you must repent of your sins, "'turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ "'to show that you have received forgiveness for your sins. "'Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit.'" Peter says, okay, this Jesus was the Messiah. You helped kill him. God raised him from the dead. And now he's sitting in heaven and he's pouring out his Holy Spirit on everybody who asked Jesus to be the forgiver of their sins and the leader of his life. And, and see... It happened dramatically in the first church and it can happen today. And if we're not being filled with the Holy Spirit, we ought to have emergency meetings in the church to figure out why. Why are more people not being filled with God's Spirit? If God says it's true, then it's got to be true. Why are we not experiencing this in the church? And if you're a Christian, you have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's something called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's a one-time thing that happens the moment you receive Christ. But there is something called the filling of the Holy Spirit that needs to be done on a regular basis. And and the way you do that is you you confess in, you put yourself before God and you say, God, fill me again. Every day we need to be filled. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes one time when you first receive Christ. Now, I've I've been in ministry a long time and people kind of get funny when you start talking about the Holy Spirit because it's not a concept we understand very well. And so um, I, I was thinking about this, trying to figure out how to explain it and a lot of people think that God is kind of like a genie. That, that when you need Him, you know, you rub on the bottle and boof, and He comes out and He saves you, the day, saves the day. Well, the genie that I knew, I grew up, I was, I, I was born in 1964 and what the hottest show on television then was I Dream of Genie. Now, uh, Barbara Eden um, played that part and I'm going to show you the old Barbara Eden because I can't show you the other because I don't want you to lust in church. Um, so, we're not going not to even go there. But I had a crush... On Jeannie. She was hot. And by the way, I, I was reading this week that um, there was a big scandal about her having that outfit on because that was too, too wild for television. And, and the biggest scandal was one day she was filming and, and it actually came down and showed her belly button. They almost got canceled because of that. Anyway, she was hot. And I could never figure out why Major Nelson didn't marry the woman. I mean, she was hot for him, she had all these magical powers. What more could a guy want? Yeah, yeah. A few of you have seen Genie. Don't you go Google it. Don't do that. That's yeah. The Holy Spirit is not a genie that you get to call on when you want. The Holy Spirit, we're going to talk about who He is, but, but when we think of Spirit, sometimes we think of Genie. Or we used to call Him the Holy Ghost, which as a kid, that totally messed me up because the only ghost I knew was Casper. So... So you say to a kid, you can have God's Holy Ghost come and live inside you. And I'm like, I don't want him. (laughs) So he's not a ghost. He's not some friendly little ghost or whatever. Let's figure out exactly who the Holy Spirit is on your listening guide. Number one, he is God. He is completely God. Now, you got to understand this. God is so big and so powerful that you and I cannot comprehend who He is. We're so limited in our understanding that we never discover things about God. The only way you and I understand or, or, or figure things out is when God reveals them to us. And so what we have to do is we've got to go to the Bible and figure out how God has revealed Himself to us in the Bible. And what we discover when you put the whole Bible together, when you study, you discover that God has revealed Himself as Trinity. Now the word Trinity is not in there, but Trinity means three in one, three in one, three persons in one God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not God the Father. They are all God, and the Bible, as clearly indicated, they're all God, they're all co-eternal, and they're co-equal. Now, if you want to know more about this, we did a whole study on this uh, in 2009 called TriGod, God, and, and you can go on iTunes, it's there, and, and study. We did about five weeks on TriGod, explaining the Trinity. But the Bible clearly reveals that the Holy Spirit is fully and completely God. Number two... He's God's actual presence. He's God's actual presence. Now, when Rachel, my, my daughter, was little, I have a picture of this, we're sitting at a, uh, uh, a parade, look how little, aw, blonde hair, blue eyes, and she's sitting in my lap, and I had hair, look at that, that's a decent wig right there. Um, so you know it was a long time ago. Well, she, she used to really, really struggle whenever I would leave town. And uh, I think at this time I was still in youth ministry and so I would have to go to camps and I would go to different places. And Rachel, I would go in, we, we would go in and kiss our kids goodnight and you know we would pray with them and, and, and talk to them, have a good time with them at night. If I was going to be gone, I knew I was going to have spent at least 30 minutes in Rachel's room because Rachel would just tear up. Daddy, I don't want you to go. Daddy, please don't leave. Daddy, I don't want you to go. And just she would struggle bad. And it didn't matter if I was gone one night or or a whole week. She would just... This was an emotional time. So she decided to do something for me when she was about five or six. She made me a pillow so that I wouldn't have such a hard time when I went off on this trip. And so I call my family every night that I'm gone. I call and, you know, do the whole thing. I talk to Janie and I talk to each of the kids and I talk to Janie again. So when it's Rachel's turn, she says, Daddy, you got my pillow? I said, Yeah, baby, I got it. She said, You using it? I said, Yes, baby. Every night I snuggle up to this pillow when I go to bed, and even though it sticks on my whiskers, I snuggle up to this pillow and it reminds me of you. And and I could almost hear her smiling through the phone. Because she desperately wanted me to know that she was thinking about me and she wanted to be with me and she couldn't wait until I got back home. So this pillow is awesome! But God's Holy Spirit is so much better because the Bible says that when you become a Christian, God pours out His Holy Spirit to live inside of you so that no matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter what situation you will ever face, you're never alone. Because the Spirit of God resides inside of you. Incredible. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so what happens when you ask God to be your forgiver of your sin and the leader of your life, two things happen. First, God washes away the guilt of your sin and He adopts you into His family. Second, though, is He pours out His Holy Spirit to live inside of you. And that's the really cool thing about being a Christian. You never take a step of your life again alone you've got god's holy spirit living inside you and the third thing is god's holy spirit is free you cannot earn the holy spirit by going to church reading your bible saying certain prayers over and over god's holy spirit is a free gift to those who believe and receive so holy spirit is god he's god's actual presence in the life of believers and he is free but what does he do Well, we've got a video for you of what the Holy Spirit definitely does not do.
1: Do you sin? Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever lusted? Boy, do we have a product for you! Hey everyone, I'm Rob Shazam. And if you're a sinner like the rest of us, then you probably want to get to heaven. Well, we have the answer for you. Don't worry about all the religion, all the lifestyle changes, all the grace. You need Shazam, the sin collar. sin collar. 14 inches of adjustable sin protection with an electrified sin meter just in case you start sinning even a little. The sin collar will always keep you from a sinful situation, no matter that you are quite naturally a sinful person. That's right friends, you don't have to worry about sin anymore. The sin collar is your one step to heaven with 25,000 volts of electrified salvation. The sin collar is bound to stop you before offending the Almighty God. So don't worry about that midday addiction. Don't make excuses when you're late. Your savior from thieving hands. And don't even think about being an adulterer at heart. Because, shazam, the sin collar will stop you. Come on. You're a good person. You've always been nice to people. Your past sin won't ever matter. Just start anew with this man-made device designed specifically to work against your very nature. The Sin Collar is your very first step to a new redeemed life destined for heaven. But don't just take my word for it. Shazam! The Sin Collar really works. I used to have a hard time with sinning, but now if I even... Think about sending the sin collar sends 25,000 volts of electricity through my protein based nervous system, devastating any chance for no more bodily development. And even though I can no longer control my bowels, I am positive that I'm getting into heaven. Thank you, sin collar. We are so thrilled to start our child on the sin collar. No kid hey. of mine's gonna be a sinner. I'm <laughs> so thrilled. The sin collar has been in Amazing success! I don't have to ask for help around the house anymore. He never looks at other women. And he never ever speaks harshly to me. In fact, he barely speaks at all. <laughs> That's enough, honey. Thank you, sin caller. That's right, friends. Your life can change for the better with this revolutionary device designed to counter your basic urges. You'll no longer crave unhealthy habits. Rid yourself of foul language. Never be tempted to do anything ever again. And with our new dream setting, the sin collar can even stop you from sinning in your sleep. Never let the data input from living in a sinful world affect your sleep again. When your dirty thoughts come a creeping in, Shazam! The sin collar goes to work. Order now with your credit card or rifle. Sin collar 2345 Maple Road, New York. York. The sin collar is not guaranteed to get you into heaven and should not be worn by notable Christians. Sin collar has been known to cause cancer and will send you directly to hell. Don't wait. Call now to order yours today. Tell them Rob Shazam sent you. Shazam!
0: Now, some churches have taught that uh, maybe the Holy Spirit does that, but that's not what the Holy Spirit does. Let's figure out from Scripture what what are the jobs that the Holy Spirit carries out. First, He restores us. <laughs> when my oldest niece uh, was a little bitty girl, my brother was pastor at First Baptist Church, um, uh, what was it? Glenrose, Glenrose, Small Baptist church. And uh, it had, you know, the, the rows and the pews and everything you see. And then it had a little bitty balcony at the back where you could put like 12 chairs. I don't know why you build that and have 12 chairs, but overflow. So one day my, my niece and, and this little boy were playing at church. And my the little boy says to my niece, do you want to fly? And Amy says, sure. And so he, he pulls out this little G.I. Joe toy with a parachute on it. And he says, if you jump off the balcony... This parachute will make you fly. And so my niece said, okay. And she jumps. She didn't fly. But she learned a very valuable lesson that day. Never, ever listen to what little boys have to say. Do not (laughs) trust little boys. Girls can't fly. Now, man has wanted to fly, you know, since the beginning of time. We've seen birds, and it's really cool that birds can fly. But birds aren't the smartest things on the planet. Um, Years ago, I was working for my brother, and and I was helping him build his house, and I heard this noise. (laughs) I thought, that's strange. You know, I went about my work. And I hear it again. <laughs> so I, I walk upstairs and I see it and this bright red cardinal is sitting on, on this branch and he's looking in the window and I don't know if he sees his reflection or if he just wants in the house. I don't know, but he's got to be a dude because he could, couldn't figure this out. He would sit there, he'd shake his little head and then he'd fly as hard as he could right in the window. <laughs> and then, you know, I would look down and before long he'd fly back up in the tree. He'd hop around. He'd look in the window. <laughs> I was laughing and laughing. My brother got home and I told him about it. And, and, you know, he did it till I guess his head started hurting because then he quit. And I thought, well, maybe he learned his lesson. He was a dude. He didn't learn his lesson. Next day, he did the same thing. Next day, he did the same thing. Next day, he did the same thing. So, you know, he had to be a guy because he just wasn't learning his lesson. So, um, let's just pretend that that little bird is trying to fly in the sliding glass window At the back of our house. (laughs) Bird keeps crashing into the window. It's freezing cold and he wants to get into the house. Now, a guy would probably go outside with a shotgun and put the bird out of everyone's misery, but a girl's home, all right? The girl feels compassion. She sees the bird and she thinks, I'll go help the bird. So she opens up the sliding glass door. She puts the bird inside where it's warm and the bird can be nourished back to health and the bird can become all that it wants to be. And some of you are going, okay, cool little bird story. What that do with me? We're all bird brains. <laughs> what I mean is we have a finite understanding of the things of the world. You don't believe me? Somebody explain death to me. Somebody explains one minute after you die. Tell, tell me what happens. We, we can't understand all of those things. And so what we do is we think that we want to be in certain groups. And so we'll look over here and we'll go, oh, I want to be in that group. And so we'll, we'll bang our head against the wall or against the door and, and try to get in that group. Even if we get in that group, it, it doesn't satisfy for long. And then we say, oh, we want to be over here. I want that person in my life. I, if, if just they loved me, my life would be great. And we try all of these things on our own power and we just go in this vicious circle over and over and over again trying to get satisfaction from life, but we never experience satisfaction. We just keep beating our heads against that door. And somewhere along the line, the Holy Spirit shows up, intersects our lives, and begins nudging us towards the things of God. That's one of His jobs, is to nudge us and guide us toward God. And if you think about the sliding glass door, that's the barrier that keeps human beings from God. And you know how that door got open? Jesus Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, He opened the door to where you and I desperately need to go. We may not even know we need it, but we need to be inside that door so that we can become everything that our Creator made us to be and that we really want to be to experience satisfaction and significance and purpose in life. It only comes through going through that door. Jesus Christ gave us access through that door and the Holy Spirit's job is to nudge you right up to that door. He can't get you to cross the the threshold, you have to make that choice. But the Holy Spirit will bring people into your lives, will bring circumstances into your lives to bring you right up to that door and then a whisper, go in. But you've got to make that choice. Look at Titus 3, 5, and 6. He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. A new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And that Holy Spirit desperately wants you to step through the door to become all that you can become. So the first thing He does is He restores us. Number two is He comforts us. All right, guys, just get used to it. This, there's so many rich, you know, um, examples from guys. So if you're of the male persuasion, raise your hand today. All right, if you're not sure, we have a class for that. Uh, it's called Celebrate Recovery. Um now uh guys' comfort isn't a word that we use very often, is it? Holy Spirit comforts us that's that's not something we use at your uh u f c parties last night did did anybody say I think he needs a little comfort <laughs> when you're camping out and and you're you're making all your manly noises with all of your manly friends does does anybody ever look at this at the campfire and say What I think I could use right now, fellas, is is some comfort. You don't say it if anybody's got a weapon around um, because you're going to need more than comfort. But ladies, you understand, don't you? You don't have any problem admitting when you need comfort, do you? (laughs) You are so much smarter than us, but that's another story for another day. But if we could see inside each person's soul right here today and we were to take off all the masks and get completely real we would see that everybody here needs comfort. And it doesn't take long to think about it because how many, you don't have to raise your hands on this, but how many of you have experienced divorce? Either you divorced or your parents divorced. Is comfort something that you need after a divorce? Yes, desperately. Um, have you ever lost a loved one? I've, I've seen people breathe their last breath. When, when fo- somebody had to pull the plug, you know, turn off the uh, respirator, I, I watched somebody gasp their last breath. And, and what the family needed was comfort. I've seen children killed. And, and I've done funerals of, of kids as young as six years old. And what the family needed was comfort. There is chaos in this world, and all of us need comfort. When you were a kid, did you ever fall down and scrape your knee? Did you ever have a kid make fun of you and hurt your feelings? Well, if any of that happened and you come into the house, who'd you run to? Not dad. Dad would say, shake it off, hand me the remote, make me a sandwich, you know. <laughs> you instinctively knew to go to mom because moms know how to comfort. Well, believe it or not, that's the job of the Holy Spirit is to comfort us. Look at Acts 9.31. Meanwhile, the church had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria and grew in strength in numbers. The believers learned how to walk in the fear of the Lord. All the fear of the Lord means is respect, reverence, awe, oh, the respect and fear and reverence of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Why would, why would believers need comfort? Because this world sucks, and it hurts, and stuff happens that destroys us, and we need comfort from somebody that's, that's bigger and stronger than us. And anytime I hear something that happens bad in your life or somebody, you know, if somebody texts me and says, hey, pray for this person, the first thing I start to pray is that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know how God gives you the peace of God that doesn't even make sense? It's through the Holy Spirit. God comforts and gives you peace through His Holy Spirit living inside of you. So that's the first thing I pray for you because it's something real. I can say, God, because they're your child, because they have your Holy Spirit residing in them, comfort them with a, with a peace that the world just does not understand. The Holy Spirit brings peace in the midst of, of chaos. And, and see, I, I'm convinced that part of the reason we experience pain and suffering in, the, in this world is to remind us that this world is not our home. This is not our final destination. I say this at almost every funeral that I preach. Death reminds us that there's something else. Most people, the only time they think about death is at a funeral. But to me, that's really stupid. If we know it's coming, we should prepare for it. And I'm going to follow the only person who was ever killed and raised again, never to die again. I'm going to trust what he says about the afterlife. And I'm going to trust His Spirit to comfort me even when someone dies that I'm, that I'm so close to that it rips my heart out. I'm going to ask God's Spirit to comfort me at that time. There's a third thing that the Holy Spirit does, and that's convicts us. There's a difference between conviction and guilt. Guilt is something Satan uses to try to convince us that we're a horrible person. He wants you to think that there's no hope for you and that you can never change. He wants you to believe that that's who you are, that's your destiny, that your your mess-ups in life define you. So He keeps reminding you of your past and He wants you to get stuck. But conviction, yes, conviction has to do with sin, but it's much more concerned with your future If you remember the story of the woman caught in adultery, when she's brought before Jesus, caught in adultery, the law says she should be stoned to death, killed with rocks. They throw rocks at you and kill you. And the law said that she she should be stoned. She was caught in the act. When they bring her to Jesus, they say, what should we do? Jesus draws in the dirt. And He says, okay, here's the deal. You're right. The law says that, that you should kill her. He says, okay, whichever one here has never sinned. You get to be the first one to throw a stone. The Bible says that that they all kind of dropped their rocks and left from the oldest to the youngest. I think the oldest realized they had the most sin and they weren't qualified to cast that stone. So Jesus looks at the woman and he goes, Where are those who condemn you? Guilt you. Condemnation always has to do with the past. Anytime you use guilt to get what you want, it has to do with condemnation, condemnation and it has to do with the past. Conviction, however, you know, Jesus looks up and he says, Oh, they're gone? She said, they're they're not here, Lord. And he says, neither do I condemn you. But then he says something interesting. He says, go and sin no more. He didn't wink and say, oh, you're okay. It's all right that you were having sex with someone else's husband. That's okay. He didn't say that. He said, go and sin no more. He called it sin. And I bet that stung all the way down in her heart. And I bet she knew in, in her mind, I bet Satan was whispering, you're a whore. And Jesus says, I don't condemn you. Because Jesus was looking at the person she could become. He always sees your potential if you'll allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. And He's looking for you to become all that He wants you to be. So He doesn't condemn you, but He will convict you. The Holy Spirit pierces our hearts when we sin and He convicts us because He knows we could be so much more. Now... Honestly, you know, we have this program called Celebrate Recovery and it's for people who have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And it's an awesome program. But let me tell you this. I'm just guessing here. Eight out of ten people who come to Celebrate Recovery never stay long enough to be healed. Those who walk the steps become pillars of our church. Because not only does God heal them from their hurts, habits, and hang-ups, He gives them the opportunity to use their worst mistakes, their biggest regrets as contact points with somebody else and help them along the path. If you sit in this service and you get convicted of some sin you're involved in right now, or maybe you've been involved in in the recent past, don't get mad at me. God's job, the Holy Spirit's job, is to come and mess you up a little bit to remind you That you're not God and you've been acting like God. You've been making choices like you're God and you're not God. If you are convicted of sin ever in here, praise God. Why? It just means that your heart is not so hardened that you can't feel anymore. And there is hope for you. Because honestly, I deal with a lot of people who are hard-hearted. And what I pray for them, I never pray, oh God, comfort them. No. I pray God, mess them up. God, their heart needs to be shattered in a thousand pieces because they are so mad at you, they're shaking their fist at you, they're so self-absorbed that they can't hear anything you say. Mess them up. I mean, that's scriptural. Paul one time said, I have turned this man over to Satan, that Satan can buffet his body so that by some possibility this man might turn back to God. Because Paul said, your body, that's temporary. Your soul is forever. And so he says, I'll pray that Satan will just mess you up. If you're hard-hearted, you need to be messed up. You need to be shattered so that God can put you back together. So praise God that you're feeling <laughs> conviction. Look at John 16, 7, and 8. And you've got to understand, God had a plan before the beginning of the world to send Jesus because He knew we would mess up. But his plan never included leaving Jesus on the planet. Look what it says here. Jesus is speaking. The fact of the matter is, it is best for you that I go away. For if I don't, the Comforter won't come. If I do, he will, for I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convince the world of its sin. There's one of his jobs. He will convince the world of the availability of goodness, of God's goodness, and of deliverance from uh, judgment. So part of his job is to mess up your heart when you have sinned. But God is never a God of guilt. And if you attend a church that uses guilt to try to get you to do something, leave. Because God is about conviction, not about guilt. Conviction has to do with your, your confessing your past but becoming who God wants you to be in the future. Another thing that the Holy Spirit does is He guides us John 16, 13, Jesus is speaking and He says, The Spirit shows what is true and will come and guide you into the full truth. The Spirit doesn't speak on His own. He he will tell you only what He has heard from Me and He will let you know what is going to happen. As we live our lives, this Christian life that is a wild ride and we pray and we get closer to God, God begins to, when we're in situations, God will remind us of things that we've been learning and hearing. He'll bring those things. That's what the Holy Spirit does. But an incredible thing is sometimes God will tell us what's going to happen in the future. Not, not, down, not like, you know, Madam Whatever who says, Oh, well, you have, you have a relative whose initial begins with D who might say this word. Come on. I can make that up. I just did. He will reveal to us some things that are going to happen. And can you understand why it's so vital for any church to be led by the Spirit? If He's going to remind us of things that, that Jesus said, if He's going to convict us of sin, if He's going to guide us and comfort us and even reveal the future to us, it would be foolish for any church not to be led by the Holy Spirit. And you see, God is a God of order. Here's the thing. We never have to be afraid of people who are led by the Spirit. And, and some of you, I hear these questions. Why are there so many demo- denominations? Or why are there so many church fights? Or why do so many Christians not get along? Short answer. One or both of those Christians are not being led by the Holy Spirit. It's just just bottom line truth. Because God doesn't tell this believer over here to go this direction and this believer over here to go 180 degrees. God is a God of order and He will give us all the same instructions. Now, it doesn't mean that your job is exactly the same as my job. That's not what I'm talking about. But the reason we're doing, one of the reasons we're doing Experiencing God this fall, and and we want everybody to do this, we want as many Christians as possible filled with God's Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit, studying the Scripture, understanding where God's at work, and joining Him Because honestly, we cannot be the church that God wants us to be unless God is speaking to all of us. Because I believe God intentionally withholds some things from me to tell someone else in the church, the body of Christ, to see if I'm listening. And so we can't possibly know everything God wants for Palestine, for New Life Community Church in Palestine, in this county, in, in the world... If you guys aren't tuned in to God and if you don't have some avenue to share what God is, is speaking to you, that's going to happen on Sunday nights beginning September 12th. And we want you to be involved in that. Okay, so bottom line, what does this mean for me? Three things real quick. Number one is believe and receive the gift of God's Spirit. You know, in order to become a Christ follower, to become adopted into His family, you have to believe that Jesus Christ... Was crucified for the sins of the world. He was a sinless Savior of the world, that He was raised from the dead, never to die again. You believe that, and then you receive Him into your life. You step up to the threshold of the sliding door that Jesus opened, and you say, I'll step in. You cross the line of faith. That's what we talk about all the time. Somebody cross the line of faith. That means you're at the door, the Holy Spirit has gotten you there, and there's the line, and you go, Okay, I'm in. And that doesn't happen by accident. Nobody pushes you in. The Holy Spirit doesn't drag you in. You make a choice to step across the line of faith and become adopted into God's family. And in just a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. And when we pray, I'm going to ask that, that maybe as a symbol to God, that, that you just kind of put your hands together and hold them out. And we're all going to have our heads bowed and all that stuff. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Um, and, and maybe just as a symbol before God. Some of you who have never... Stepped across the line, I'm going to say, just hold out and say, God, here's my life. I don't understand it all. Not sure I believe it all. But if you're real, I accept it and I ask you to show me. Here's my life. Those of you who are Christ followers, but you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to hold out your hands and you're going to say, God, I need this gift. I need to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Here's my life. I don't understand all of it, but I ask you to fill me with your Spirit. Because I need that stuff we talked about today. Believe and receive. Number two, thank God for the work you can't do for yourself. You can't save yourself. You can't comfort yourself. You can't convict yourself. You can't guide yourself. So you thank God for doing those things that He provided a way for you before you were ever a twinkle in your parents' eye. Before you were conceived, God was thinking of you. And He sent Jesus to die on the cross And then He sent the Holy Spirit to live in your life if you'll accept Him. So you thank God for all those things we can't do, and it reminds you of how powerless we are. Number three, ask God to influence your mind, your eyes, and your heart. Here's how that works practically. Um, Always in church work, always there's conflict. And so I'm always having to have conversations that, quite honestly, I don't want to have. And so I pray that God will give me the right spirit, but I also pray that God will give me eyes to see that other person as a child of God, not as an enemy because the Bible says our enemy is not flesh and blood. So I pray, God, go before me and make their heart receptive to to what I have to say. People come and they criticize all the time. And when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I don't get upset. What I say is, God, help me to, to listen if there's any truth in what they just said. And help me forgive anything that's in error. Can you see the difference being filled with the Holy Spirit would make in relationships? Imagine if a church was filled with people who were filled with God's Holy Spirit, who lived the Christian life Monday through Saturday. Do you think anybody would notice? Do you think people where you work would say... What kind of church do you go to? I mean, they say that anyway, but because of God's power, not because of the weird shirts or the weird videos. They would begin to question this God that you don't just say you serve, that they see you serve. And they're going to be open to the things of God because of your life. Holy cow. You want a, you want a ride? You want a life filled with purpose? Janie called me from, from children's camp several weeks ago And she goes, I got to lead a kid to the Lord tonight. Every year she goes, she calls me at least once and said, I got to be there when they stepped across the line of faith. She was beaming because God had used her. And from what I understand, the other sponsors, Ryan and, and Danae and Jennifer and Ashley, they all came back just on fire because God used them in lives of young people. It's possible if we do stuff like the first church did. And it starts with you. Let's pray together. Every head bowed and every eyes closed. I was always the kid looking around when they said that. If you've never been adopted into God's family, if you've never prayed and asked God to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of a, lo- a leader of your life, and you don't even have to do it in a big way, you know, just you can be the, the stealth um, person. then you uh, hold out your hands in front of you and just say, God, I don't understand it, but here's my life. Will you forgive my sin and lead me? That's all you got to say. If you're a Christ follower and and there's not a whole lot of evidence that Christ has been involved in your life, that the Holy Spirit's been in your life, would you just kind of put your hands together right there in front of you, cup your hands together and say, God, here's my life. Please fill me up. Fill me with your Spirit. Just kind of hold them there for a second, symbolically before God. Father, you've heard these people today, and I pray that some folks stepped across the line of faith, that the Holy Spirit nudged them. I pray that some folks were reminded that they've not been living for you, and you drew them back through your Holy Spirit. Now, God, fill us all, those who who are your children, and change us as we leave this place and allow others to see that change. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.